Like Mars's atmosphere is thin, uh, which means that you're flying awfully close to the ground as you're trying to slow down from several kilometres per second. Okay. So there's an, an element of danger there. Um, Earth's atmosphere, as you're trying to slow down, you've also got this planet below you pulling you down at quite a significant rate. So you have to slow down, but you have to have enough lift to avoid dropping like a stone. On Titan, the, the lift situation is reversed. The, the gravity is so light that you have to aim to have the lift going in the other direction in order to stay in your braking path right. through the atmosphere. We are back with another episode of the Cold Star Project. I'm here with Adam Crowell from Australia. Keep, Australia. I keep yeah. wanting to not be wrong <laughs> about it in New Zealand or Australia. It is Australia. That's where Queensland is. And I know that. But there's that 1% little bit of doubt there. Uh, and this is your third appearance on the show. So I appreciate you being here to talk about space stuff with me. Uh, it's I appreciate always, being here to talk about space stuff with you. You bet. It's always a great <laughs> learning experience. And we were just uh, goofing around before the show talking about uh, keeping up with Elon as if it was keeping up with the Kardashians. So today, wow, you know, we've been talking about this for a week or so about what we would uh, discuss. And um, I think what we can center around is this concept of a moon based gas station, if you will, a refueling mm -hmm. point so that we can go out to other places uh, for some reason somebody is in a rush to get to Titan I don't know why yet you're gonna tell us <laughs> but let's begin with uh, a moon-based gas station concept well, space infrastructure is wonderful we need it to continue and, and move on out there into the solar system but why do we need this thing other than that and and why on the moon basically getting things off the earth uh, is hard work mm -hmm. um, you need a lot more propellant. So where the market is in space at the moment is geosynchronous orbit. Okay. And there's been a lot of talk recently um, by different moon scientists, guys out of NASA like um, uh, Phil Metzger mm -hmm. um, and, and his uh, co-workers. And they're more materials, lunar mining guys. They've, they've looked at mining the moon for ice uh, because you can uh, electrolyze water into hydrogen and oxygen. And they're standard fuels. Um, and Elon, of course, has talked about building moon base alpha um, is, and has tweeted like uh, that he thinks you know, the moon is the next step. Now, why is the moon the next step? As Phil Metzger and, and the other guys have pointed out, the moon provides a propellant source that's already out of Earth's gravity well. Um, so if, if you want to move stuff to geosynchronous orbit quickly, you need a lot of propellant in low Earth orbit. And we don't have a lot of propellant sitting there in space to access unless you talk about the moon. And so if you can access it from the moon, you can refuel vehicles in low earth orbit to do space tug trips to geosynchronous orbit. Hmm. Um, and you have huge mass savings, huge time savings, because time is money as these things go. And yeah, um, and it's surprising how much of a, time, of a mass saving it is. Um, 
like it's it's several multiples difference between getting it from Earth and getting it from the moon. Now, one thing with Elon's plans is that he's focusing on liquid oxygen and methane as the rocket fuel combination. Uh, the moon, even though we think there's water there, we also think that there's carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide combined with water with the right catalyst, you can make methane and oxygen um, as your propellants. And they're planning to do that on Mars. So if they can do the same on the moon, then all is good. Elon's architecture can be used on both. Now, once you have that propellant source, um, you can refuel moon shuttles in low Earth orbit or in a elliptical parking orbit, which is the current SpaceX plan, via launching fuel tanks from the moon. Um, and the difference there is that like basically Elon's fuel tank is as he hasn't given a lot of parameters, but he's slowly revealing details on, on what they've considered. Um, and they're, they're like stripped back starships so that they, they won't need the thermal protection systems, uh, like the hot metal, um, outer framework that they're considering. Hmm. Uh, so as a result, they'll have significant mass saving. They'll basically be tanks on legs um, with a guidance system. So if you launch these things from the moon, they can probably mass dry about 40 tonnes, whereas your, your standard starship will be 75 to 85 tonnes empty. And they should be able to tank uh, maybe 120 to 150 tonnes of propellant. And so in order to get a starship from Earth with you know, 100 tonnes of cargo, to get to the moon and back takes... Um, so the current plan is that they'll launch it into a, an elliptical orbit. And to do that and then launch tanks to it from Earth requires staging of the tanks themselves. Hmm. Um, so as a result, you end up needing something like 15 launches to launch a full payload to the moon. Mm -hmm. um, so once you have propellant from the moon, it only takes like a couple of trips uh, of a tanker to load up the Starship for a moon mission. Okay. So we've got a fuel source that's probably existing out there. It's outside yeah. of the Earth's gravity well, which means it's way less expensive mm -hmm. to get to and to use. And it also gives us the chance to have this, this fleet that needs far fewer launches to get going. I mean, and, yeah, and exactly. every, every launch you've got is a risk of something exploding or failing or, or whatever. So I'd much rather do two of something than 15 in order to get to the end result. Well, that's right. And, and it's not just the, the risk of, of failure because um, SpaceX are hoping to get reliability to a very high level, like airliner grade. I mean, but there's always the maintenance cost of every launch. So the much you can, if you can lower the cost in launches per mission, then you lower the overall cost. Um, and, th and that's true for anything. That's true for going to the moon, going to Mars, 
or going further afield. And ever since um, Elon's original interplanetary transport system slides in 2016, I've been thinking about how do we use the Starship to get to the outer planets? So not just Mars, but going further afield. Mm -hmm. um, and in the outer solar system, of course, uh, of all the destinations, Titan is the one that A, has a surface we can walk on and B, has an atmosphere that's significant to be useful. Hmm. Um, near the surface of Titan, the atmosphere is 5% methane. Now, SpaceX already planned to use that as fuel. Mm -hmm. um, so you could almost just pump it straight out of the atmosphere. Huh. Um, but that's like, that would be something they'd have to work out down the track. The main thing is that that atmosphere lets you slow down without having to use extra propellant. Okay. And because the, the gravity of Titan is much less than Earth's, a, a re-entry there is significantly different to Earth. Hmm. Um, and Mars, like Mars's atmosphere is thin, uh, which means that you're flying awfully close to the ground as you're trying to slow down from several kilometers per second. Okay. So there's an, an element of danger there. Um, Earth's atmosphere, as you're trying to slow down, you've also got this planet below you pulling you down at quite a significant rate. So you have to slow down, but you have to have enough lift to avoid dropping like a stone mm -hmm. on Titan. The, the lift situation is reversed. The, the gravity is so light that you have to aim to have the lift going in the other direction in order to stay in your braking path right. through the atmosphere. Uh, so in some ways it's easier to break there. Mm -hmm. um, also because of that lower gravity, that, that atmosphere is, is so fluffy, so extended that you have a much larger braking window. Um, now I haven't worked out the full mechanics of braking there at the speeds that I'm thinking of, but they've, they've talked about the starship being able to take 14 kilometers per second, returning to earth from Mars. If you can do that at Titan, because of the way that the relative speeds work out, that means that the orbit that you can fly there in only takes you two years to get to Saturn. Hmm. Okay, which means it's it's a very fast orbit compared to our our um, probes. Mm -hmm. uh, now the question is, okay, what does that mean for the Starship back in Earth orbit as you're fueling up? It actually means that you can do this on a full tank. Um, so you put a starship into the highly elliptical earth orbit and it's parked there while it's getting refueled. Now to refuel it from earth, take something like, um, it takes about 20 uh, launches from Earth's surface, but from the moon, it'll take maybe four or five. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's somewhat ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> two years is a long time for anyone to be flying in space. But right. once you get there, um, the resources 
uh, incredible as well. Hmm. Okay. So, so we, we've got to solve the boredom problem for the human. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's true, not, yeah. it's not 10 years. It's not a, uh, you know, a, a generational starship or something. Okay. No, no, but uh, it, it kind of has, the, has the, the thought of, well, what else takes two years? And hmm. I was thinking, well, PhDs can take, you know, two to four years. Mm -hmm. you, you can almost send engineering students there to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> to stay in your office and work on it, right? right. I don't know how long submariners go for as well on their tours but uh, yeah a few months might, at a time they might be might. closer to it than the average person okay yes yeah, so, so it, it'll require a certain amount of endurance mm -hmm. um but as i think as we head to the moon head to mars people will start thinking like pioneers again and mm. You know, trailblazers rather than thinking well how does this fit into my overall career it's like well this is a radical shift in in, in lifestyle you know mm -hmm. yeah i mean you've got to be willing to give up earth comforts for <laughs> a considerable period because if you live you're gonna to have to come back too <laughs> yeah and and that's the thing like um what because there's resources at the other end mm -hmm. you can fill the tank right. um whatever they do it, it would require uh automation first um to set up the refueling system mm -hmm. um, right but do, it, it do just means do you know of any yeah. studies that have been done as far as psycholo psychological testing oh. or i mean because i could imagine if i was living in a a metal tube for five years and came back, I might have some trouble adjusting to regular society, which also would have moved on from the state of the art that I was used to when I left. Well, I, I think the, 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 the comparison is not entirely apt because mm -hmm. you'll still have telecommunications. Mm -hmm. um, there will be, a significant time delay for two-way but you know there'll be ways of, of getting around that I'm sure mm -hmm. um, and the way memory and so forth is is miniaturizing uh, you'll be able to have a pretty extensive library of all kinds mm -hmm. true I used to imagine though being used to that environment and then coming back to an open earth right uh might be jarring yeah yeah so maybe maybe the the kind of uh people you want will be semi cluster um the kind of people who like to be shut in right right <laughs> right very interesting so young japanese males perhaps <laughs> i i'm gonna have to do a little more research in this area interesting i, I really hadn't thought about the psychology of, uh, of short quote-unquote trips inside the solar system before just been thinking more about generational stuff where uh, this is what we're doing we're committed to this now and everybody lives or dies depending on how well the ship does right as opposed yeah. to uh you know more of a blip that would be uh i don't know a twelfth of an adult's useful lifetime maybe or something like that so. 
And another thing which um, has come up recently is um, if you want to look at further afield is the capabilities for sending useful payloads uh, sort of out of the solar system mm -hmm. um, to visit like the Oort cloud or, or you know, the gravitational lensing orbit um, where the sun's gravity bends light from other stars. Um, those sort of distances of what are referred to as the near interstellar space. Um, so there's been over the last couple of years, uh, NASA studies of, of coatings, which allow, um, as one study put it, allow you to literally touch the sun. Um, and so if, if they can swing down really close to the sun, putting on a, on a bit of speed there acts like a multiplier. Um, thanks to what's called the O-birth effect. Mm. Um, and if, for example, if you see most of these sort of scenarios, you'd have to fly out to Jupiter to line up to the sun. Um, mm. You get a gravity assist from Jupiter. It swings you back towards the sun. And then you literally fall to the sun. Um, and at the bottom of that fall, you put on a bit of speed, say eight kilometers per second delta V. But because of that fall to the sun, you're moving at almost just over 600 kilometers per second hmm. already. So that extra eight kilometers a second on top of that 600 means that it gets multiplied into something approaching 100 kilometers per second as you leave the sun. Hmm. Um, so that would get you out to uh, a thousand times the Earth's distance from the sun. So a thousand astronomical units in something like 20 years, hmm. um, which, you know, we're talking probes, we're not talking people. But, right. um, yeah, so for those extreme outer solar system missions, um, the first place you go is to the sun. Yeah, I think the average person will have trouble imagining why you have to go out to come back in to go out, right? Uh, in terms of the navigation, right? It's, why don't you just yeah. fly in towards the sun? Well, that's the thing. Um, Earth doesn't fall into the sun because it's moving, moving so quick. Like Earth orbits the sun at 30 kilometers per second or as in the old money, 18.5 miles per hour per second. Uh, so, if you wanted to drop to the sun, you would have to cancel out 30 kilometers per second. Hmm. Uh, we, we don't have any rockets that come even vaguely close to that at the moment. So instead of doing that, you give yourself a boost out to Jupiter. Hmm. In Jupiter's gravity well, you can do whatever maneuver you like, and that also acts as a gravity amplifier. Hmm. Hmm. And that can align you up for the sun. Yeah. So it's kind of like a come along, you trade speed for distance. Uh, yeah. And you can't, <laughs> we, we are physically incapable of making a machine that will slow us down as much as we need to. So yeah, we exactly. go somewhere yeah. that will slow us down and then <laughs> allow us to go back in towards the center. 
Interesting. It's, it's, it's why Messenger took years to get to Mercury. Um, okay. And, and to do that, it had to get gravity assist off Earth, Venus, and then it swung by Mercury a few times until it could get into orbit. So this stuff is not a straight line. It's not as easy as you think. It's not, it's not like planning a trip across the country. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, is there anything else that we uh, can cover about Starship or uh, point to point? Well, we did mention point to point at the start. And the thing that's changed is that Elon's now talking about doing it as a single stage thing with the upper stage of the Starship. So instead of using the huge booster uh, to send a starship from place to place on Earth, uh, they're looking at using just the single stage. Okay. Um, and once they have, which makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, two components to a passenger system on Earth um, has always seemed a bit strange. Um, but... It'll also, yeah, if, if it picks, off, uh, picks up um, on Earth, it'll give a lot more flight experience um, uh, because moon missions and out of, um, missions to Mars and so forth, at least initially, won't be the main part of what the, the Starship will be doing. It'll be orbital missions for satellite networks, but the more experience they get carrying people on Earth, hmm. that will um, you know, build their reliability um, know-how. Right. Yeah, we see this a lot where components of this and that experience with this years yeah. ago even comes back and can be plugged into a new project. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So it's, exactly. All, it's all a learning experience. That's right. And yeah, it can't be just done you know, straight off. Um, mm -hmm. These big projects have to be done incrementally. Right on. All right. Well, mm -hmm. does that finish us up then? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Sorry okay. about that. No, that's good. Uh, so we can follow Adam on Twitter and you have a funny handle on there. Can you spell that out for us, please? Uh, Q-R-A-A-L. There we go. Uh, so at which, Q R A A L. It's meant to sound like my surname. Ah, okay. Yeah. Got it. Sort of phonetic, but not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got your K sound. That's <laughs> that's what's important. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Adam, and I look forward to having you back on. Thanks, Jason.